0: Welcome to the Dylan Bush podcast. My name is Dylan Bush. And today, uh, I don't know what episode number this is, maybe like seven or eight. Today, I'm joined by Cooper. Um, say hello to the people, Cooper. Hello. Good
1: to hear your voice again, Dylan. Good to be back in college basketball
0: season. That's a good
1: sign. Yes.
0: I mean, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last time, if for the for the true fans of the Dylan Bush podcast, I apologize. The last time I made a podcast, I said, the next time you will hear from me, is in a couple days, and me and Cooper will talk about some sort of MLB free agency, I think, or or maybe the season starting up again. I can't remember what it was exactly, but that didn't happen. I uh, just didn't really want to talk about it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about BGSU's game against Michigan uh, on Thursday. or Wednesday. Wednesday. Excuse me. It was a while ago. And just kind of early NCAA things that kind of stuck out to us. Uh, So let's just jump right in. Uh, For those who didn't know, BGSU played at Michigan uh, November 25th on Wednesday this past week. Final was 96-82 in favor of Michigan. Um, BG started the game off with a lineup that I was not expecting. Uh, I I really didn't know what to expect because we lost Dylan Fry, uh, Taylor Matos, our center, transferred to New Hampshire. So... We rocked Cade Matheny, Justin Turner, Caleb Fields, Daquan Plowden, and Dylan Swingle. Uh, The the first name and the last name did not start at all for us last year. (laughs) Dylan played sparing minutes, and Caden's a freshman. Michigan started Mike Smith, who I'm pretty sure is a transfer. He was nasty. Franz Wagner, uh, Mo Wagner's brother, who was pretty good. Isaiah Livers, who put like five threes on us. Eli Brooks, who the announcers were hyping up a lot during the game, and also Austin Davis, both of them didn't really do much and were actually outplayed by bench members, uh, notably Sade Brooks or Sade something. Sade Brown. Sade Brown, who absolutely was white hot, which we will get into. And then Austin Davis, outplayed by freshman something Dickinson. He was nice he very, for Michigan fans out there, Mitch McGarry light is what he reminds me of. (laughs) And not just because he's a big old white dude, but like he was lefty, but he seriously could pass. I was impressed by him. I was very impressed. We had no, we well, first of all, we're just not as big. We don't have anyone that can match up to a seven footer, Uh, especially once Swingle got into foul trouble. I I don't want to get too far into the roster. Let's just go right into the game. What were some of the things that you noticed from the game that kind of stuck out to you from either side? Uh
1: I really liked the way that BG hung in, um, um, offensively, uh, especially they they kind of had trouble getting into a rhythm, but the fact that they put up 82 is big time, um, slightly in part to Diggs not being able to physically miss a shot for the entire entirety of the last two minutes. But, um, the, the real concerning part to me was the defense. It seemed like Michigan was getting to the lane at ease and, um, I think that the Mac is, has a lot of good guards to get in the lane. And I felt like they were just kind of getting blown by. So that's the one thing I'd say to work on. But, I mean, Michigan's ranked in the top 25 to start the year. That's obviously a game you're expected to lose anyway. It's not a bad loss. I would have liked to see them slow them down a little more because you're not going to win shootouts against these high-power teams. Um, and if BG's going to win the conference like people think, they're going to be playing somebody good in the tournament. and you. I, the thing that goes under the radar is you need a good guards and b, good defense in the tournament to beat those, those powers. So I, they just, they got to work on the defensive end. It's, a, it's something that me being a Toledo fan it's plagued Toledo for a while that, that, that could really hurt them.
0: A hundred percent agree. Uh You know, I was off. I think that's a really good point. The defense, one of the biggest things that I noticed was it was, there was a kind of a, a feedback loop we couldn't get out of where what would happen was, they would drive to the lane and get to the rim pretty easily and they would score. So what we would start doing is opposite sides would start crashing. Anytime someone drove or the corners would help or the wings would help, which then led to driving kick threes. And I don't know how many threes they shot. I don't have, well, actually, yeah, I do. They shot 27, 27, 27 yeah. threes. They shot 37% on them, which is a good clip. I mean, we shot mm-hmm. 29 threes and we shot 41%, but that's, Mainly because of Trey Diggs. <laughs> yeah. Trey Diggs and Justin Turner combined for nine of our twelve threes and Daquan accounted for two of them. So basically three guys had all of our threes. But, it's, it's, but back to Michigan. They just had so many open looks. Like Livers was seven of fourteen and he could have easily been like ten of fourteen and like oh, six yeah. of eight on threes. Like he, he was missing open shots and he was he was pretty dialed in. He looked good. Is he he's not he's a transfer, correct? Livers has been there. Oh, Livers um, has been, he, been there. Okay. He
1: was he was kind of the the like the Jordan Poole, mini me Jordan Poole type of guy.
0: Gotcha. He was supposed
1: to kind of fill that role when Jordan Poole left. He's he, he wasn't great last year. He was supposed to be better than he was last year, but everyone thinks he's gonna take a big step. That was
0: a that was a promising game for Michigan fans if you're a big Michigan dude and you like Agreed. Livers. He was I thought he looked pretty well, especially just for catching and shooting. But kind of back to that thing they were unable to stop the penetration, which would lead to either layups or kick out threes. And another thing that kind of hurt them is if you look at the rebound battle, we got rebounded 34 to 44. And Dickinson only played 18 minutes and he had eight rebounds. He went, he had 11 points and eight rebounds, uh, a block and an assist in 18 minutes. He looked really solid and we couldn't do anything about him in the paint. And agreed. So when we, we're, we can't stop penetration, we can't stop kickout threes. And, and, by the way, when I'm saying we, I mean me, because I know you're not BG fans.
1: <laughs> no, I was phoned for BG in the, in this game, though, so um, I'm all with you.
0: So we couldn't stop that. Before I go any further, too, shout-out to Toledo legend Zeb Jackson for getting in the game for three minutes and getting some shots up. Um, he went to yeah, Miami thought... Valley for a couple years, and then he transferred I... to Mont Verde, I think, in Florida.
1: In Florida, yeah. yeah. I thought they
0: were going to redshirt him. I don't know if there's a
1: rule like in football that if you play X amount of Mitch, you can still redshirt. I was surprised he got in. I just assumed he'd redshirt.
0: Me too. I mean, my biggest thing is I saw him play a couple times in high school, like just like highlights and like coverages on BCSN. And like he looked pretty good. Like I'm not going to lie. But like Michigan good? Like listen, Xavier Simpson, when he went to Michigan, when he was at Lima, he was putting up – like he scored like 70 in a game when we were in high school. Like he scored seventy, and it's like that's what I expected, and like I never heard anything, especially like partially. I think it's due to the fact that he's playing against for, against Mommy Valley Conference opponents a lot, um, right. and not like playing at Saint John's, like Vincent was, or, or or whatever big school around here. So right. he, I thought he played. He looked a little shell shocked. Um, someone who I thought looked very much improved, and then I was like, oh. Ooh was um, <laughs> Ziggler like off right off the gate. Ziggler went top of the key three and a couple solid possessions in a row of just like yeah. moving the ball. And then he kind of just like had the opposite effect. Usually you get like shell-shocked when you come out of the gate against a big team and then you kind of settle in, which is what happened to Matheny, who was a, a true freshman playing. Right. And he's 5'10 or 5'11 or whatever. I did not expect him to come out here and put up 30. Like he was playing in West Virginia, um, Ziegler right. looked was really was really weird. I thought he he just surprised me. Um, and I know we're kind of just jumping around all around the game. One big thing though, I don't know where the heck Matisse Kulakovskis is. Um, that is as good as it's gonna get. By the way, <laughs> I I practiced that on my own time, and I still can't get it. I don't know where he was. Like I I don't he wasn't on the bench anywhere. I couldn't find him anywhere on the bench. He's still listed on the roster. Like, last year when Dylan Fry left the team, they took him off the BGSU site completely. Like, they wiped him from the records. Like, you couldn't find him unless you looked (laughs) up a former team. And it was like, oh, yeah, he used to play. Like, they wiped him. And then when he came back, they they had it up right away. But, like, Matisse is still on the website. And And so...
1: And let's not make any mistake about it that's a that's a huge piece missing there especially like you're saying and he's not huge but matching up against size he's physical yeah he's
0: um, he's six nine and he's a little he's a little skinny but like you know he can just like kind of be a big body and listen right. we have Washington who we just transferred in um, I don't want to get his I don't want to miss his first name Jacob Jacob Washington to transfer from one of the from a JUCO school I think he mm-hmm. he's he's fine. He's like he's just not huge. He's like 6'8", six, 6'7" six, and right. Matisse is at least 6'9" and you know it at least gives the appearance like he plays in the post a little bit and he spaces the floor pretty well and honestly Daquan kind of held his own a little bit in the paint. He had one moment where Dickinson posted him up and then he had no choice. He had yeah. no chance, but like for the most part I thought Daquan held his own and it was like man, you know, if Matisse is there and him and Matt and DaQuan can kind of swap out playing in the underneath the rim a little bit. And your space spacing the floor like, man, I don't know if that, how much that would help or hurt, but, you know, extra floor spacing can't hurt you. So I was a little surprised to see him just not there at the game. I don't know what happened. I uh, hope everything is all right. Um, but going on further, just about generally about the game, I thought BG had really bad issues with fouling. And mm-hmm. I think, like we said, that's part, partially due to just getting beat off the dribble and just playing with your hands instead of moving your feet. I mean... I'm not going to act like that. There is no difference between a, a big 10 college basketball player and a Mac a college right. basketball player. There's a, definitely an athletic gap there, but we're getting beat off the dribble just too much consistently.
1: Yep. I agree. And, and the fouling trouble was both BG fouling and bad calls, which I know is not something you want to get into mm-hmm. um, necessarily every time. Just blame it on the refs, but um and when you give up 96 points, it's hard to just say, oh, if the refs are better. But that's part of it. I mean, that, thats I think that's definitely part of it. If if you're looking for BG to keep it in, within the spread, et cetera, I think the refs played a, a, a decent enough role to kind of keep the rhythm of the game favoring Michigan in a way.
0: I would agree. I mean, looking at the free throw breakdown, Michigan shot 26 free throws. BG shot 22. So it's not that big of a discrepancy. But – if you look at who was shooting the free throws, like mm-hmm. Diggs got fouled on the three, which again the, the game really didn't matter. Uh, Justin Turner three for three from the line, Plowden five for five, like zero free throws from Caleb. I know he's not really a big Caleb field. He's not a big offensive threat, um, but a couple of these other guys that like really just aren't getting to the hole. Ziggler got six free throws, only went three for six. He had a couple. He, he had one trip to the line, and he did. Yep. He was he lost. I think he was shook a little bit at that point because. His second free throw clanked off the rim, it was it was not pretty. BG um, was down. BG lost the first quarter – or the first half, excuse me, by seven. And seven. Yeah, that, so, like, they, they, they hung in really well. I thought they hung in pretty well. Especially Swingo got, got two fouls within the first two and a half minutes. So, at that point, we were already down against big men, and we don't have many centers to begin with. So – Not saying he would have been the game changer and we would have won if we would have played more, but I thought we hung in there pretty well for a team that probably was bigger, stronger, and faster and just a little bit better overall. Um, Looking forward, though, what does this kind of mean for BG? I know this is the first game of the year and there's so much variables going forward, but I think that was a solid start to the season. And I want you to kind of just go in – what do you think Justin Turner needs to make adjustment-wise? Because I thought he played an all-right game. Like, if I had to grade it, maybe like a B, maybe like a B-minus.
1: Yeah. I, I The one thing I was looking for Justin Turner coming into this year is was to be more assertive. He just felt like if you're really going to be, um, you know, getting albeit slight NBA looks, et cetera, you got to be the leader of the team. And I understand there's such a thing as leading by example and being a quiet leader, but – I thought he needed to be more assertive. And then in the Michigan game, I thought that the coaches encouraged him to be assertive like that. But the shot selection really bothered me. I think he's a type of guy that can get his shot if he wants. And he was letting Michigan dictate which shots he took. He kept doing this thing where he would pull up in the mid-range. And I'm fine with a mid-range shot. I love a good mid-range. Um, but my issue is they had him falling away from the basket often. That's just a low-percentage shot. If you're going to be one step fr- – inside the three point line. I mean, we know he can shoot the three and I'd rather see him go up and try to draw a foul, I suppose, just get physical in the lane because I mean, he's got the talent to hang with anybody in the country, if you ask me, and, and he doesn't need to be settling for, for mid range jump shots. I mean, if they're there, take them, he definitely can make them, but don't be settling for a contested mid range. I think you can, in those situations, a lot of times he could probably have taken somebody in the lane I mean, he's a, he's a good enough one-on-one player that, that um, I think he can accomplish that more than often than not.
0: You know, I really agree with your point. And one of the things that stuck out to me was early in the game, really good at taking it to the hole. And it almost seemed like about a quarter, or halfway through the game, he instead of taking getting to that free throw line area, instead of taking one or two hard dribbles and kind of just take it to the rim and seeing what happens, the couple times he kind of got hit and didn't get a call or he kind of mm-hmm. faded away on a layup, it almost seemed like in his mind, he thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to get this shot anymore, so I'm right. going to pull up instead. And honestly, I really don't even have an issue with those shots because, like I've said, like, looking at the team we have right now, any shot he takes is probably a better shot than anyone else except maybe um, Right. And that's if Daquan's hot. Uh, one of the things that I was really impressed by by Turner was just, like, you know, this is, this is a tough game for him because – out of everybody on the court for BG, there's probably two players on our team that could play Big Ten basketball pretty consistently, and it's mm-hmm. Justin Turner and DaQuan. And so yeah. when you have a team of people like, and I'm not this is not a diss to anyone on the BGSU team, it's just simply the fact that though look at like just look at all their players, like even guys off the bench, like I don't know what the guy's name was number 23 for Michigan, he was just some random dude that came in in the game, and he's like six seven, like 230, and he's like really good, and it's like we just don't have. Six, seven, two, thirty guys that can do everything off the bench for us. Right. You know,
1: Brandon Johns
0: to get Johns. Yes. He was yeah, solid. Yeah. And I was like, like, they're just bringing in guys like this. And so it's almost like when like a smaller school with like a couple really, really good players goes up against like St. Johns in our area. Right. Like you can only do so much. And I thought he held his own. He, his shot inefficiency efficiency was a little high. And one of the things that I really wish I saw out of him he ended up taking eight threes, and I think he started off the game 0-5 on threes and then went three for three in the second half. Yep. Um, he took 24 shots. I'd like to see him take, like, if he's going to take 24 shots, I'd like to see it like 10 threes. Like, I really, uh-huh. I he's a really good three-point shooter, and he makes them at a pretty good clip Like the past couple of years. I'd like to see him take more threes. Um, Agreed. And he still got to the line pretty well, three times. Um, I thought, you know, I thought he played a pretty good game overall, and Defense is good, uh, mentioning that he has to play, almost do a lot of the work on offense. This is one thing that i have thinking about uh, a lot, though, recently, and I've been going back and forth on it. Do we play Justin Turner at point guard and bring in Trey Diggs as our fifth starter and kick Matheny out? Um, just I, It's a, one of the things that I've kind of toyed with. Would would that work? And I've come to two conclusions. One, our offense, our point guard is really a play initiator and he's the first person mm-hmm. that does the entry pass and kind of clears through. And that was Dylan Stry's role the past couple of years. And he can still yeah. score out of that role, but he just has the ball a lot less often. And Turner is far better offensively when he has control of the ball and he's able to do a lot of things. And we got him, right. we got him looks, they threw it into the post of them a couple of times they got him on yeah. the wing ISOs and pick and rolls. Um, but just going big, And having him match up, like, imagine Justin Turner matching up with, like, Preston from OU. Or, like, he's 6'4", 6'5", and a little bit bigger than Preston. Or some of the other guys, like, Loren Jackson. And he's really fast, and that would mean... That probably mean that Fields would end up guarding Loren Jackson. Mm -hmm. But, regardless, having Turner out there at point guard might create some matchup problems. And I wonder if they'll switch to something like that a little later on in the season.
1: And um, what do you think... What is your stance um, on BG? They they played, you know, like three guards, essentially, and then two guys, bigger guys, I guess you could say, Swingle. And Clowden's kind of not as much of a bigger guy. He's a 3-4. forward, But he's, he's, he's a, kind yeah. of a 3-4. You liked them playing a, 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 a
0: 5 Five guys, you can shoot it. They like can play in four round one. Yeah, yeah. I I've, Especially in MAC play. I In MAC play, I prefer, I really liked when they were going five out last year almost. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of lineups where the first sub in the game is Trey Diggs, and they would go, I think last year, they would sub out Fields maybe because they still had Fry. So it'd be like Fry, Turner, Diggs, Plowden, uh-huh. and maybe like Matisse or Matos is still in the game, and maybe it's four round one. But when they spaced the floor, like Dequan has elite athleticism. Like he might be the most athletic guy in the MAC, if you're asking yeah. me. Just like the put, back, that put back dunk on Wagner was pretty oh, crazy. That was awesome. And he does that like once or twice a game. And like I, I think creating room for him, creating room for Turner just to just to get off the dribble. Like one of the things last year that I always felt like, I don't know if there's any stat to back it up, but Turner would always drive to the lane, and either Matos or someone was just in the paint, like right there, uh-huh. right in the way – and it's not their fault. Like, it's just kind of the way the offense works, and he's a big man. But it's like, man, just getting more room for Turner to create and, like, encouraging him to go to the hole because, you know, he shoots 85% on free throws. Like, if he just gets fouled and he goes the line 10 times, he's making it eight or nine times. Mm -hmm. And I I just think, like, he's a really good – he's just – Turner's a naturally just a scorer, and it's like, man, if you want to get 20 a night, just get, like, seven or eight free throws and make the majority of them, and then make a three or two and make a couple jump shots or layups, and that's 20. It's really right. easy. And so relying on a lot of jumpers, I was like, man, that's, I don't know if that's a part, partially due to just like a mindset or if it's the spacing, but.
1: It's just a, it's a lower percentage shot, it is. especially with his repertoire. Um, but, yeah, I think that's interesting. The Mac tend, tends to have a four-around-one type of setup with, like, uh, one big guy, so I think it creates an offensive mismatch for Bowling Green to to play five out. And defensively, I think that you have guys like Plowden Plaudin will rough it up down there. Yep. You know, I I think five out might be your best option because offense means more in, in MAC. And 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 as much as you'd love to see Bowling Green beat Michigan, it it doesn't matter. right? No. I mean, you have to win the conference. and You're not getting an at large bid from the MAC anyway. You're just looking for a a level of play, a standard of play. So
0: 100% agree with you. I think especially because we haven't had a strong center presence in a couple of years since DiMaggio left us. We haven't had a center who demands touches or who demands looks and that can Mm -hmm. kind of clog the paint in a good way and kind of create issues on defense. So with that being said, you know, why play into just like the strength of another team by just kind of taking floor spacing away and right. that's what I'm kind of—I was going back to with that point about Matisse not being there. It's like, you know, even if he's not, even if he gets bullied a little bit in the post, it's like having five guys literally just being able to be on the perimeter and letting people drive and pick and rolls and the switches and the the mess, mismatches that would cause. It just that just brings a whole other level to the team, and yeah. I think I I really expected—I don't know what where he is or if he's going to play this game, but I really expected him to kind of have a big role in this offense this year. All, probably off the bench, but as a redshirt junior who played sparing minutes last year and in his minutes played, I think, pretty well, I expected him to kind of step up this year. So hopefully he comes back.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, the same can be said for Michigan, but we have to remember this is Bowling Green's first game of the year. You're coming off a weird offseason where you don't have everybody in the summer. You got late workouts and such. I thought they acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, like I said, the 96 is concerning. But, I mean, they were in this game for a while, and you look at the stats, I think this is going to tell a lot. You look at the stats, the team stats. Michigan shot 54%. Beachy shot 37% from the field. And they were really in this game. I mean, you, you're not expecting midseason form, Bowling Green, um, with, when their offense is humming, to shoot 37%, right? And you yeah. and, and and you hope that their defense isn't giving up fifty four percent. I think when this team turns a corner, and if they and anything can happen in conference, but if they can make it out of the MAC, I think this is a team that can sneak up on someone in the tournament. It, it, projecting way out, you just have to remember this is the first game of the year. Um, it's 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 there's a long way to go from here.
0: I'm in the same boat as you. I think I think we've kind. Of, it's it's so easy to jump the gun and want, kind of want to figure out what's going on so early on in the season just because you know we don't have much and we want to is the first time we've had information kind of about the whole season you just want to jump on it kind of so I, I think it, this is one of those things where five games in we'll kind of get a better picture of what's going to really happen and mm-hmm. how much you, you know going into the season one of the bigger questions was how much does Dylan Fry leaving the program impact the team you know yeah. even in the games he left there was a big noticeable difference between how the team played and yeah dylan fry had a down shooting season last year but it's just his presence out there it's his confidence he brings the ball up you don't worry about him turning the ball over just mm-hmm. based off a of press it's just some of those things that you take for granted that you just didn't have this year so well it'll be interesting to see how they go moving forward i don't want to discredit michigan here so i'll give them a little bit of time um How do you think Michigan looked as a whole? Obviously, you know more about the general college basketball environment than I do, but what did you think Michigan looked uh, like out there?
1: I'm starting to talk myself into Michigan a little bit more. My main concern coming into the year and still after this game, I will still say is um, obviously Brown stepped up and and Sean D. Brown stepped up. Yes. But I am concerned if you're looking big picture – the Big Ten is loaded. I mean, loaded. You got Illinois, Wisconsin in the top ten. Iowa in the top ten. You have Ohio State in the bottom of the polls. No one's even talking about but they're a great team. Rutgers is good this year, believe it or not. Um, Michigan State is always good, right? Um, um, you got all these teams. Michigan doesn't have a great number one score. Livers is solid. Wagner is solid right now. Brooks is a facilitator shaundi brown stepped up and that was big for them one of those guys is going to have to develop because you have playmakers all over this big 10 i mean this is a loaded conference this year i think that michigan could be could play some great team basketball but we've all watched the tournament for so many years you have to have somebody who can take over the game and they're going to have to want to develop somebody who can do that it's just so difficult when you don't have anyone who can take over a game and and Livers could be it. I think Wagner's probably the more likely candidate to be that um, with his ability to create his own shot. But that that's just something I would look for. But I, I really like the way Michigan's team is set up is just getting that number one score.
0: I would agree. I mean, looking at the game, I think we should also note that Wagner did go down early in or midway through the first half with an ankle injury. He just rolled mm-hmm. his ankle. He ended up coming back and playing second half, but he, he was really uh, tar- targeted in the early pregame talks by Robbie Hummel by about being kind of the next guy up in Michigan, being filling in. As, was Ignis there last year, or what, did he leave two years ago? The Bra- Bratzadega uh, guy. Um, Either way, you need you need a somebody. figure kind of like him. Even not in listen, he's an M- uh, NBA player, but you don't need not even an NBA caliber. You just need some guy to step up. I know right. one of the big guys that they were talking about was Smith. Was it, was it Mike Smith, or? Mike. yep. yeah. Mike Smith. One of the, they said he transferred in from Columbia, and he was averaging twenty three a game or something last year. And oh, wow. he. I mean, he sixteen and eight, really solid performance. And yes, he's going up against the true freshman point guard who's undersized, and we weren't really, we didn't really have our bearings. Um, but you're right, there wasn't quite that alpha score. You watch BG and you say, oh, this is Justin Turner's team, and Daquan's a good support piece. He's the this a good second guy. You look at Michigan and. This is one of those games where someone can expose a mismatch and kind of figure out, oh, this is our guy. And there really wasn't that. Dickinson played a solid role. He came off the bench. He'll probably, if honestly, if he keeps this up, he'll probably be starting here before long. Davis, who was really highlighted in early talks about the game and really got some looks early on, didn't didn't play that well in my opinion. Livers, yeah. Livers was almost a catch and shoot guy with some some drives here and there again you you, while you would love to see shoddy brown shoot six for eight and five for seven on three every (laughs) night you know he's not going to do that he's not going to make five threes a night so it's one of those things where the stars kind of aligned you had a good all-around performance but you just can't expect three or four guys to have solid performances every single night you you need more of an alpha guy in your team at least one at least one guy that you can just be like Hey, we just need you to score tonight. Things aren't clicking, and I don't know who and, that guy is in this team.
1: But like you said, too, um, give him credit. This is a Bowling Green team that was the pick to win the MAC. You are talking about a conference that has produced Buffalo, who beat Arizona. Then Buffalo, you know, Buffalo is in the back back round of thirty two. Um, you you have OU coming in and well, beat, making the sixteen. I mean, since last a, year, right? The MAC, yeah, exactly. The MAC is not is not a a down conference at all, and if you're if you're on the first game of the year when you don't have stuff figured out yet either, you're taking on the projected MAC champion. That's a that's a good win, and especially to win by 14 was it? I mean, yeah. Well,
0: that's not also. That's let's win. not talking about not Dom playing the MAC. Well, I don't know if you saw, but Ohio almost beat Illinois on the back. Yeah? So number eight Illinois on the backs of uh, Jason Preston, who scored 31 and just absolutely torched them. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, there is talent out there. And yeah. the, Mac, I mean, the you, Mac is solid. You can go down the West.
1: Toledo played Xavier yeah. to the buzzer. Lost by three yesterday.
0: I, I mean, um, I think – I just think this conference is thick. I mean, it just is a, a good – Loren Jackson, is I think, was the reigning player of the year. And we haven't even mentioned him. And that – Akron will be good again.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Kent State is deep. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo is still good by the way I mean, this conference is better than people realize it is it really is it's deep and it, it, it's unfortunate for a team like BG because it's it's hard to have a ton of confidence that they're going to make the tournament just because everybody's so good i mean unfortunately the mac tournament is a one off if you lose one game you're done right yeah. i mean it's i mean obviously if you, you had to take someone right now you take BG but it's it, it's like anybody could take this conference cuz it's just the the talent gap is so close right now
0: I agree, and looking at the bigger picture for kind of what BG has to do better going forward. Obviously, you don't expect to get 96 put up on you every night in the MAC, and I think their defense will get better. But like we mentioned, the biggest things working on stopping penetration and you know just not overhelping and just like having the whole team collapse on one guy driving. Like Mike Mm -hmm. Mike Smith drove a couple times, and the entire team collapsed on him and it's like why do we need five guys collapsed <laughs> on a 5 foot right. 10 point guard right. who's not looking to shoot and so this is just early year kind of stuff that they're trying to work through i think in my opinion you know a lot of new faces a lot of new guys playing that haven't played in the years before so Definitely. i think this will i think it'll get better going forward um We'll kind of transition out of BG basketball because I think we've kind of milked this game dry. Um, <laughs> some of the things that I've noticed, and I'm going to give you the NBA perspective, people that have impressed me so far from the highlights I've seen from the game clips, Oklahoma State, Cade Cunningham. That dude's legit. That dude's really oh, yeah. good. Definitely. And then another guy um, for Gonzaga, uh, Hugs, Suggs. Suggs. Sugs. Suggs was crazy. Suggs was really good.
1: And if I could, if I could uh, interject here, I don't know if you've watched Gonzaga. This team is stacked.
0: Yeah, they—they. They, I was watching the highlights of Suggs, and they kept feeding number two this like kind of like out of shape white guy, and he was crazy good.
1: Oh my! The whole team, and I was watching it with my dad, and he he said to me, he said. You know what they look like? They look like a professional European basketball <laughs> team. And it's, it is spot on. I mean, they like, they, like the way that they all play, it's like this, like, it's like this flashy pass, awkward shooting motion. Yes. But everything's good. It's efficient. I mean, you, their starting five is ridiculous. I mean, their fifth guy is Andrew Nemhard, who was starting point guard at Florida for the past three years. And he wasn't even supposed to play this year. He got like a lucky eligibility thing. I mean, they were the number one team before he got eligible. This, yeah. I'm telling you, this team is, I mean, it's Gonzaga. So you're like, oh, it's just Gonzaga. And they beat Kansas. Go through the-
0: Kansas had, oh, yeah. like, I get. they gave up a lot of points to Kansas. But, like, Kansas gave up, like, 100-plus points to them. And, like,
1: that game, Kansas, that looked- game was <laughs> That game was close, I guess, at a couple of times. But that game was in Gonzaga's control the entire time. Just 100% in their control. And. And listen, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, Sam Gonzaga, they, they blow through their conference, they don't play anybody, and then they get to the tournament and they lose in, like, the Sweet 16 or Final Four. This, this is the best team in the country, if you ask me. And I don't, I don't think it's close right now. I think that that gap could be closed. But right now, this is the best team in the country. I don't even think there's a question.
0: I would agree. I, 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 I didn't watch a ton of basketball, but they just looked dominant from some of the game highlights and some of the clips I saw. Um, that team is going to be that team's going to be one to look forward to kind of in the season you know I think mm-hmm. this team definitely sheds a little bit of that identity that they're only good against their conference and like you like Suggs is projected top ten pick, and you know Gonzaga always has solid players, but they don 't have top ten picks usually in their team
1: right they're usually just a, just a solid group of group of group of a lot of solid players that play fundamentally that, that that's hard to beat in college yeah um, going back to Cade Cunningham uh, I don't know if you know this but it's just it I'm, I watched uh, a little bit of that game and watched the highlights um did you know that Oklahoma State is not eligible for the tournament are you serious yeah so they had like a I think it was like a recruiting scandal thing um so unfortunately we don't get to see him in the tournament which stinks um, cause I think he is, like you said, legit. I think he's really, really good.
0: Yeah. I was watching some of his moves. He looks like, just like he's moving in slow motion or everybody's moving in slow motion around him. Like he just looks different. And, oh, yeah. you know, I hate to draw this comparison because, you know, of what's happened to this person since, since they've been out of college, but he looks like Markel Fultz in college where it's just like, everything is just so easy. Everything uh-huh. is so smooth. He has no issues in his game. And it's like, man, he, he, I don't know why or how he ended up going to Oklahoma State. I think it's something you alluded to about 10 seconds ago with the,
1: with <laughs> the issues.
0: Because in years before, it's like Oklahoma State, like if anything, you go to, if you're going to go to an Oklahoma school, go to Oklahoma. They just sent off Buddy Heald and Trey Young and right. so many good guys over the past couple of years. And Oklahoma State, like Marcus Smart, I think, was there. Other than that, like I, I don't, I don't recall anyone else really coming from there. Um, I think I think Cunningham's brother coaches
1: at Oklahoma State. Okay, or something like that. that would and make that's, sense. That's literally the only reason. He that's like there, that's sure. the he same. Like that's
0: like the sister. Ben Simmons thing, where Ben Simmons went to LSU because like right. his his dad knew someone that coached there. Right, and I think
1: I think he was like looking at Kentucky as well, and then he went to Oklahoma State. Okay. I saw. I, remember he, I saw there was highlights that he was like blood thicker than water or something when he chose.
0: Oh, uh, that would make sense. Uh, I, I saw something from what game was it? It was uh Memphis. They weren't ranked, which is crazy to me because Penny Hardaway's team. I thought they were weren't they kind of good last year or were they not? Yeah, they were.
1: They had a top recruiting class, and of course, they had the whole thing with James Wiseman and the.
0: Yeah, that,
1: that whole scandal thing. But they were they were good last year. They, they Even they, without Wiseman,
0: they were pretty good and they yeah. were unranked and they played someone and poor whatever team it was. But like there are, are a couple guys on Memphis where I'm like, this team is going to be really good. And they weren't even ranked starting off this year. So mm-hmm. one of my teams to look out for. It's only because I, I caught a glimpse of them. But I was like, man, that's a solid team. That's a good team right there. Um, yeah. They looked good, and then they struggled
1: in the next couple games. So, I don't are they in a tournament?
0: They're... Is that what that is? That
1: they were, yeah. They were in, yeah. They were in like one of those preseason tournaments. Okay, okay. They looked, they looked really good, and then they struggled, and then they looked good again. So,
0: you know, what I just yeah. realized because I've been kind of watching the South Carolina State BG game as we've been talking. Um, uh-huh. One guy that wasn't there in the first game. Um, he's a new player for BG. He's number number two, and he plays point guard and he i think he's either a transfer i think i'm pretty sure he's a transfer um he he has been kind of handling the ball a lot oh no he's a freshman from lima okay um he wasn't oh. there the first game at all which i don't know if you've noticed we're in the pandemic i'm guessing that yeah him and matt t's probably just had covid it's probably it's probably a good call Um I kind of forgot you know, that, that was like covid the thing and that <laughs> That's probably why they're not there, or even like in the arena at all.
1: Which makes sense now. That would that would that would probably make sense. And I didn't even think of that either. Because he
0: wasn't there against Michigan, and they didn't say anything. And I think he started tonight because I haven't I've been watching for about ten minutes now, and I haven't really even seen much of Matheny. So that would make mm. a lot of sense if he had COVID or if something happened and he couldn't play that first game. Um. Okay, solid stuff. I'm looking forward to. Um, we let's talk about UT a little bit, and then we can wrap it up. Uh, yep. you, I only really know much from what you've told me, but some new faces that are getting some serious minutes and are producing very well for Toledo right now. Ryan Rollins, one of the names, another name. Um, is it Milner Jr.? Milner, yeah. Yeah, both of them uh, starting this year. And Edu, for UT fans, if you remember, or Edu, he started – or he played a good chunk his freshman year, got hurt last year. He's back finally. Um, what, can, what can you give us a little bit of a scoop down on what's going on with UT? Number one,
1: that Rollins kid is going to be very, very good. Is he a freshman or is he a transfer? He is, he is a freshman. Okay. Um, Do you know where he's he from? Aver- I I forget where he's from. I think it was Michigan, Okay. I think. But he averaged like 20 points. Twenty twenty-five points in high school or something, just a pure scorer, which is a nice thing to have for a mid major. Um, Steric Mil or Setric, C- I think is his name. Yes, Milner Junior. He's a JUCO transfer. Um, started at Cleveland State and then JUCO, and then he's at Toledo. He is a good scorer, which is big because you lose Willie Jackson, you lose Kinabke, um, who, who were a big part of scoring last year. So, um, and then don't forget you got Mario on there still. Um, AJ Adu, I don't know what's going on with him. He didn't play against Xavier, and I'm not sure. Again, it's kind of like the the BG situation. I don't know if it's COVID. I don't know if he tweaked his knee, and they're being careful. He
0: did play uh, 32 minutes that first game against Bradley, which I saw. Right. In which he only put up two points. So I, I don't know. And I'm again I'm wondering if they're nursing him back. Yes, he he did. He did play, He is playing alongside a lot of other options right now, which mm-hmm. I think partially that's why his scoring number was so low. And he was yeah. never really a, like a true scorer in terms of like stats his freshman year. But you expected a little more production probably out of him. And yeah, I did. Maybe like eight or nine, ten points. But like I said, first game back in a while, over a year, two years probably now. And so you'll give him a little bit of a break. Um What's, is Mar- I know Marion, his first game, he wasn't the leading scorer against Bradley. Has he been looking pretty all right still? Or is, he, is there anything that's noticeable about his game? I mean, let's
1: not sugarcoat it. Everybody who played UT this weekend is watching last year's film and sold out on Marion, which is...
0: The right, straight- the right
1: call. Yeah, strategy you can't disagree with. Um, Marion, especially against Xavier yesterday, was getting doubled on pretty much every play. And he still was putting up his numbers. Um, one thing I'd watch for this year is um, I noticed that he was kind of getting flustered, I guess is the word. Just he was getting frustrated with the double teams and stuff. Um, so just uh, the coaches hopefully help him stay out of his own way. Um, they were kind of he was letting the defense affect him, which is which is not good. He's, he's a lot better when he's playing playing free. And even though he'll airball three or something, he comes right back and hits four in a row. So just hopefully he stays out of his own way. He was a little concerning yesterday in that regard. He's kind of letting himself get rattled mentally. Um, but I think this team is better than I thought they ever were going to be. Um, that 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 Milner transfer is really good. The Rollins kid is really good. We got this um, kid named Acunzo.
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Philly. Yeah, he was and on he, the
1: team last year. Yeah, he – he and Rollins are like the two highest-rated recruits Toledo's basketballs had in years. Like I had a Juice Brown, I had a wow, you know, all those guys. Um, so Akunzo is still developing, if you ask is, me. But is he? He's kind of a bigger player, right? Talent. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, he's three, four. I guess I would say, but he's just kind of. I wish he was stronger. Oh. He's kind of getting beat up a little bit in the post, but this team's more talented than I thought. With the help from that transfer um, Rollins is extremely talented. Um, so this is going to be one of those teams that I bet you is peaking at the end of the year. Um, and and that's going to be a big deal. I think they're going to have their ups and downs in conference play. And at one point of at one point or another, they're going to be playing really well and you hope it's March.
0: Yeah. And you know, I want to say this for the record that, you know, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, like, that's not not my thing. I'm more of an NBA guy. But from what I saw from UT last year in the couple games versus BG and a couple other times here and there, um, superstar dependent, they were completely dependent on the Jacksons and Napkey last year uh, almost entirely for all their points. For example, in the BG-UT game at the Stroh Center, I think they accounted for almost, like, 90% of their points. Like, mm-hmm. only five guys scored in that game. And, like, in – you, you hope – I don't know if Keyshawn's still there, but you're kind of hoping he takes a bigger step up in his kind of game. He really, really, like, just needs to really just shoot threes and play defense. You yep. really don't need him to do much more than that. Um yep. You kind of hope he can kind of make a big step. And I know he's probably reduced his role from a starter to whatever, but if you're just going to – if if UT kind of goes down the path of we're just going to depend on Marion and maybe Ryan Rollins to score all of our points now, or maybe Milner too, you know. Uh-huh. I, I think the BG approach, which what they've had the past couple of seasons, which is more of a, we're just going to keep bringing in guys that can just play, and you're just going to have to defend all these guys. I think that's a better approach. And while still having, like, you still have Marion, the same way BG has Justin Turner. Right. But just having more weapons, having more guys be a threat. And so, you know, I think UT, which they've they were ranked fifth, Kind of I think fifth or sixth maybe in the polls for mm-hmm. the coaches, and it's like at this point, you know I'm looking around, they put up a good fight against Bradley, they lost on a buzzer beater, they lost to Xavier by three. this is a I think this is a better team than three or five or whatever they said they had him in I th- in the polls I think, so too.
1: I think so too, but there are a lot of unknowns i don't I, I don't hate ever people for putting them that low. I mean you look at the last couple of years and Toledo is playing. At most seven guys, and the seventh guy is like five minutes a game. I mean, just through three games running down the list 28, 31, 31, 29, 18, 10, 11, 23, 10, 20. All those guys, that's their minutes per game. Those, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's 10 guys playing at least 10 minutes a game right now.
0: Yeah. And I mean, last year, you'd be hard pressed to find. Like, I, I don't. So they started last year, it was the Jackson's nap Saunders and littleson and then mm-hmm. off the bench, like I don't even know who they were running. Like they, it was, it was like, it, I, I don't know, it was Moranki, right? Moranki, Mar- Mar- yeah,
1: Moranka, that big guy, yeah, yeah.
0: And it was like that was their one guy and other than that. Like I think Jackson, the Jacksons, both played thirty-nine minutes respectively versus BG. And I know it's a big rivalry game and it's important, but it's like really, you can only get your star player one minute of rest, and it was probably, like, right. the 30 seconds before halftime. Right. So, I mean, Justin Turner played – this is our biggest – Michigan probably our biggest game of the year. So, was well, obviously, so far. But, like, throughout the whole season, this probably, would probably be the biggest yeah. game. And Turner only played 36 minutes or 35 minutes. So, uh-huh. he didn't play the full game. And so, it's just, like, you know, BG has kind of this formula. And a couple, a couple other teams, too, like Kent and Akron over the years – in Buffalo they just keep bringing in guys that are just going to be able to be threats and cuz you know in the MAC especially star power is important but like some games you know they just they're not James Harden they can't put up 30 every single night exactly. so you need some of these other guys to come in and if BG and I mean excuse me if UT kind of finds like three or four guys that they can rely upon and two or three guys off the bench that are solid players that you have no issue playing with in case someone gets in foul trouble this is a solid team and i think this will be the most competitive year in the mac we've seen in a while and like the winner of the mac like i don't know how many games it is i I, like i think it's maybe like 15 games like the winner of the mac might be like 10 and 5 oh yeah there's just so many good teams like you just like like I said before, Jason President of Ohio, Akron will be good with Loren Jackson. Um, Buffalo I mean, I, with Graves. You're, I mean,
1: you look Eastern Michigan fought the final score doesn't look like it, but I watched that game. They fought with Michigan State. That is a top fifteen team. Yes, Western Michigan. I'm a full disclosure. I'm a Butler fan too. Western Michigan hung with Butler, and I think Butler's down this year, but that's a Power Six team. And Western Michigan was in that game to the final second. They lost that game by three. I mean, you got a lot of teams competing this early in the year where they're not even peaking. Whoever comes out of this conference, I'd be scared to play them in the tournament. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. I agree. I think this might be a really interesting year for the Mac, which is so sad that we're not going to be able to like physically go watch most of the games. As far as we know, because Mm -hmm. this is such a good year for the Mac. I mean, I I I mean, and I'm just saying this because my team is our teams are doing pretty well. I mean, it's all around. <laughs> yeah. Every team has guys you have to worry about. Uh, one guy I was really looking forward to watching was Miami's Nike Sabande or Sabinde. Really sad situation. What's going on with him? And that he's at Pitt now and he can't play because mm-hmm. because the school doesn't want to give him. The, the, it's just for people who don't know the situation. He transferred to Pitt because he had a daughter that lives in Pittsburgh, and Miami didn't want him to leave because he's really good. And so they tried to say that he was transferring just so we can get a better chance going to the NBA. So the NCAA hasn't approved that his transfer request of being able to play this season. So now he has to sit out a whole season because Miami didn't want to lose their guy.
1: That's ridiculous. Although, I mean, Pitt just lost to Sam – St. Francis of Pennsylvania, so I feel like it's not uh, too bad for the season to be missing out. <laughs> That's
0: fair. That's fair. Did <laughs> they really just lose this to St. Francis of Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, by 10 points. It wasn't even like a...
0: Yeah. Uh, they were pretty good. Weren't <laughs> they projected to be good this year, too?
1: Pitt? Yeah. They were projected to finish towards the bottom of the ACC, okay. but they they were supposed to be like aggressively competent, and they are far below that.
0: Um, last thing, I don't want to keep Keep it too long. Um, I think I have not been hearing anything about Duke. Is Duke not going to be good this year?
1: Duke will be good. Okay. I think, I, I think Duke is going to be, um, is going to be better this year because no one's talking about them. It, it, the thing is Duke's always good. And it's like, Oh my God, you lose one game, which every team does in basketball. And it's like, Oh, Duke's overrated. Like, listen, like last year, they lost to Virginia. Like I don't know if you noticed, but they won the last championship that was played in basketball. Like they're not overrated. Their their recruiting class um, finished third in the country. It's not like you know, but it's but they've been used to finishing top two, and they didn't get any top 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 guys um, necessarily. But they'll be good, and they got they have a good mix this year too of a little bit of veteran. Uh, play as well which is what I like um, I mean you you still have um, a couple guys from last year you got Joey Baker who was a big-time recruit Matthew Hurt was a big-time recruit uh, Wendell Moore these are guys that didn't pan out their first year but I mean these guys are recruited high or rated highly by recruiting sites for a reason and, and you got somebody like Coach K I would assume was going to be able to develop a guy like Matthew Hurt Etc. So I, I think Duke will be good. I think this is a year where, um, as has been kind of common recently, while I think Gonzaga is clear and above the best team, I, don't, I think it's just a big mix after that. Uh, Villanova looks shaky. Virginia just lost to San Francisco. Baylor <laughs> is a good defensive team. I'm, I, I, I wonder if they can score enough. Iowa is Iowa. I mean, They just had beyond. that guy
0: that scored 40, right, their center?
1: And they have Luke Garza, who could be a player of the year, but it's Iowa.
0: I mean,
1: yeah. I don't mean any – that is a slight, but it's Iowa. I mean, the other teams in the top ten are Wisconsin, Illinois. Oh,
0: hold up, hold up. Before, it's breaking news, breaking news. Matisse is in the game – it's not in the game. Oh, here we He's go. He's not in the game, excuse me. He's on the bench, though, with a mask, fully suited up in a tracksuit. That's a good sign. Okay, that's good. I wonder if he wasn't in quarantine – and he didn't want to travel up to the Michigan, and now he's starting to recover. Probably getting a, uh, like a
1: getting back into sh- shape. Yes. Like uh,
0: to go back to your point, though, yes. I think, I, I think what's really weird about college right now, over the past 10 years, with the one-and-done sensation, there's so much roster turnover that some of these college coaches haven't adapted in a way where it's like, I will run my offense the way I want to run right. it. But with a Coach K team... Coach K does a really good job of always catering his offense to the team. He never is a coach that will force his offense onto his players, which Mm -hmm. I think Coach Cal kind of does that a bit. Like, think about some of the guys that have been good that haven't been good in Kentucky's offense. Like, Devin Booker was a six-man, and I get it, just a shooter, but they only had him shooting. And look at him now. He's like – 25 points a game shea shea gilgis didn't even start until about two-thirds of the way through the season and was like oh wait this is our best player by far oh yeah hold on and then uh kind of recently bam out of io like all he did was rim run and it was like hey this guy can do a lot more i don't know why you're not doing that and so like i think duke does a better job of that than some other schools where it's like you know, guys will play to their roles. Guys will play to their strengths because Coach K Definitely. does does that. And so you never really have to worry about, you know, oh, he didn't get guys that fit his scheme this year. So I think that's kind of always like an upside for Duke. And as long as you have Coach K, you know, you've got a shot. And
1: I, and I think this is a year that different teams are going to cycle up and people teams are going to go on winning streaks and losing streaks. And I, and I would suggest – you're following college basketball this year to not get too caught up on any highs or lows. I think it's going to be a, a circulating year and let's not forget. I mean, you got North Carolina was bad last year. They're sneaking around at 16 right now. They're going to be good again. There's just, a, I think there's going to be somebody from the, the back end of the rankings unranked right now. That's going to circle up that you're not going to see coming. It's just, it feels like one of those years.
0: I agree. And I think, like I said before, like, I think it like Memphis is a really good shot. They have like six or six or seven guys that just could play at any point in the Mm -hmm. game. And, you know, we didn't see Wiseman play last year, but Penny Hardaway has shown that he can recruit top-notch talent and solely based off, you know, his reputation and his ability to coach and his connections. So I would look to see Memphis having a good year. That's just my bold – that's just my my take. I don't even know if it's bold or not, but that's just my take from watching, like, a quarter of them playing. All right. Well, do you think there's anything else you want to I, add? I think, think uh, I think I'm good to go. I'm you think pumped. you're good got,
1: to go? No, we got an undefeated Notre Dame football team for me right now, and college basketball starting. Feeling good about Toledo Notre Dame basketball start tonight. It's a beautiful time.
0: Yes, beautiful time. Um, looking forward. Probably, maybe. In couple, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to make any predictions this time. <laughs> Last time I did, I was like five months late. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any comments or whatever, just let me know. Uh, if we want us to cover something else, we will. Uh, the next podcast will probably be discussing more or less BGSU basketball and NCAA basketball again. Um, again, no, thank you for nice listening, for Coop. Any uh, final remarks? Awesome. All right. Again, thank you for listening.